On today's episode of League Lore and More, we will have a bit of a different uh, setup than normal. We are getting to a point where the that some of the Yordles that are left um, don't all have very long biographies, and then they don't have stories either. Uh, and so we're going to combine on some episodes, not on all, but... Uh, on some episodes so on this episode we will have the bio and story of uh, Yumi the magical cat and then we will have the biography of uh, Timo uh, one of the longest most hated slash loved champions in League of Legends and then uh, so we will have you know Timo's voice lines, Yumi's, uh, her theme song, and so we'll just incorporate all of it into, into one, and uh, we will do that a couple more times. Uh, I know that the champion Corky doesn't have uh, a story either, and he has a short biography, and then there's, I think, one or two more that we might do this for, and so... Uh, just a heads up as to why you might hear Timo's voice and then me talk about Yumi uh, or read about Yumi. I mean, they come from the same place, so uh, it you know it's not meant to be confusing. But we're just gonna intertwine uh, two two different characters here. But don't be don't think that Yumi sounds the way that. Timo does so you know the voice lines are really Timo's voice Yumi sounds like a female uh, whereas Timo I mean he's got a high pitched voice but he is a male uh, Yordle and Yumi is a magical cat not actually like a she doesn't look like normal Yordles she's just from Bandle City uh, without further ado we will uh get into it oh actually i should probably describe more about yumi yumi is the 144th released champion in the game she came out in may of 2019 and i cannot believe it's been two and a half years since the champion was released it feels like last year that i was hating this champion being released yumi is a very very unique champion and I say that a lot, but then I always follow it up with, but every champion's unique. That's why they create new champions. Um, Yumi is probably one of the most simple champions. She uh, attaches to another character. So you will go and you'll sit on someone else. And wherever they walk, like you'll just go with them. You're, you don't have to move the character yourself. You, you can. You can detach from that character, but you don't necessarily have to you can attach to someone and then when you're on that person you can't be killed uh, until that person dies or you step off of that person and so she's an enchanter support uh slash mage uh so she is a healer she will sit on someone and heal them and buff them up with movement speed i believe and shields and uh, just help them survive and kill uh basically everything else um not a 
champion that was received very well by uh, by you know the community. Uh, a trivia factoid here is that typically, as any other champion, if you sit idle, you will trigger AFK alerts. Something will pop up on your screen. It will say you've been inactive. Blah blah blah. Like. You don't quit on your team, all this stuff about being AFK. Uh, you could leave your computer entirely if you attach to someone, and those measures will not take place. Uh, they will not happen. You will not get an AFK warning. Uh, and then one of her abilities is called You and Me, and so that is just literally where her name probably comes from, of Yumi which might be the way that a speaking animal might say those two words together. And so that is kind of the intro there for Yumi, the magical cat. I will do my best to entertain you with her biography and her story. And I hope, as always, that you guys learn something. I know that I will because I have not really cared enough to um, research this character or know much about their lore uh, just because I don't really care for them as champion but they are there have there have been worse things to come after her that make it not so bad so um, I hope you guys enjoy it Timo on duty. Yumi the Magical Cat. In the outlands of Bandal City, there was once a wooded glen where the moon moths glimmered and the riverbanks overflowed with rainbow fish. In a cottage nestled between the verdant trees lived a yordle enchantress named Nora with her cat Yumi. Born with magical powers of protection, Yumi enjoyed a life of leisure for many years, pouncing on sunbeams and napping between and beneath the mouse trees. Whenever adventure sparked her interest, she joined Nora on explorations across the material and spirit realms. Nora spent her time collecting strange objects like broken cups, shards of colored glass, and fabric with funny stitching. She examined each artifact with deep reverence, though Yumi never understood their purpose. Nevertheless, Yumi would use her magic to protect Nora from harm. 
and would warm her feet when they returned home. The doorways between realms were finicky and seldom open, even to creatures as as dexterous as cats. Yumi watched as other yordles waited for days for the eastern star to align with a particular stone archway or waited impatiently between marsh lilies, seeking a silver blossom blooming from the mud. Only then would a pathway appear, but Yumi's yordle, Nora, possessed a powerful book of thresholds, which allowed her to instantly travel anywhere depicted in its pages. When Nora opened a portal, she and Yumi would gleefully dive into its glowing paper and arrive at their destination, joined a moment later by the book. Yumi never paid the book much attention until one starless night when she returned home from luring moon moss with her shiny light to find Nora missing. She saw the book on her master's desk and flipped through its pages in a panic, noticing that some were torn out entirely. Unable to read its title, Yumi cried out to it in distress, calling it simply Book. In response, the book wiggled, and Yumi was surprised to learn she could understand thoughts amidst the rustling paper. Despite not having a voice, Book made itself loud and clear. Yumi learned that Nora had gone somewhere so perilous she had destroyed the portal as she traveled. Yumi knew she had to rescue Nora and turned to Book for help. Each of its thousand pages led to a different location among Lung along the lines of magic that crossed the material and spirit realms. The page Nora had used to travel was lost, but Book might be able to get them close. Yumi and Book would have to explore every possible threshold. She became Book's unlikely keeper, vowing to protect it with the courage of a lion. If it fell into the wrong hands, the doorways to Bandal City could open to all kinds of unsavory and ravenous intruders. Yumi and Book began their arduous journey, visiting dangerous and unfamiliar lands. Yumi sought Nora's scent on the wind, to little avail. While Yumi would sometimes break from their search to follow the scent of a mouse or restore her strength with a quick catnap, Book was frustratingly cautious, grumpy over lost time, and nervous about threats they might encounter. Nevertheless, Yumi and Book were both determined to find their master and bring her home. When Yumi especially missed Nora, she often sought out other companions. One of her favorites was a door-carrying shepherd with thick whiskers and a deep laugh like a babbling brook. Yumi rested on his shoulders for a time, protecting him from angry snow spirits stirring up flurries in a hailstorm, while he brought her wriggling fish. Eventually, Yumi uncovered the scent of her master lingering in a vast Shuriman ruin, Digging deep into the sand, she unearthed a broken shard of blue pottery that looked like a piece from one of Nora's teapots. Before she could burrow further, a ferocious beast surfaced from the sand, and Yumi and Book barely escaped. She could only imagine the chaos if a creature like that ripped its claws into Book's pages. Though unlikely companions, Yumi and Book have become fast friends, united by their love for Nora. Yumi continues to search everywhere for signs of her master, so she can someday return to her life of napping in the sun by Nora's side. The end. Never underestimate the power of the Scout's Code. Uh, this short story is called The Biggest Catch by Rayla Heidi. My yordle Nora snores into the pages of my friend Book. My tail twitches as dozens of moon moss sail around in through the open window like floating lanterns, and I leap joyfully into the air, not caring if I catch one. I bounce higher and higher, battling at the moon moss as they drift all around me. 
One of them bends and turns inside itself, lashing about until it twists into the shape of a mackerel. Around me, the other moon moths spin in midair, all transforming into floating fish. Delicious, until the whole world turns upside down. Books cascade up from the shelves, landing on the ceiling with a dozen thuds. My Nora floats upward, still asleep. The fish flounder in every direction as we all fall up, up, up. I wake up, blinking sleepily in a wooden box as moonlight shines through the slats. How in a mouse's house did I get here? Oh yes, the tasty stink of fish fills my nose, and I remember prowling the streets of Bilgewater, finding a crate of dried fish, then eating my fill before falling into a deep, belly-full sleep. Before I can get comfy again, my stomach lurches and I'm knocked onto my side. Dozens of fried, of dried fish fall on top of me, just like my dream, and my stomach purrs. Book flutters in the corner as it tries to edge away from the falling fish. It's always hinting that food is bad for its pages. I think dried up trees would be much improved with the smell of fish, but Book knows much more about dried up trees than I do, so I don't argue. I peek through the cracks between the slats. The floor beneath us creaks and shifts while, in the distance, moonlight flickers on the surface of the ocean. Book, why? I cry. Naps never lead to bad things. Book opens and closes in exasperation. I don't do water, and neither does Book. I start to panic. Book rustles, reminding me not to worry, but it's too late. I scratch and scramble at the wood in desperation, and I shred some of the dried fish by accident. This ocean is making me destroy my yummiest snack. It's the worst type of water. I paw at Book's cover, opening it to a frost-tinged portal that will take us far away from this watery nightmare. We have to escape somewhere, anywhere, even somewhere cold. I'm about to jump into Book's portal when I hear a scream that sounds like tinkling bells and the brightest rainbows. A scream that makes my fur stand on end. A yordle scream. I peek through the slats in the crate and watch as two human sailors drag a blue-furred yordle to the edge of the bustling ship's deck. One of them has black chin whiskers and the other is chubby, and both are smirking. They step over roped stacks of harpoons, fishing poles, spears, and coils of thick fishing wire. Must be deep-sea monster hunters. This little one is going to fetch us prize, a prize gulper fish, uh, the first sailor says. I hear the biggest fish love yordle meat, says the chubbier sailor. Never tried it before myself. Not a lot of yordles around Bilgewater. The blue-furred yordle squeals and struggles against them. I'm not bait, he exclaims, squeaking with each word. I beg you, please release me. The sailors don't budge. The whole ship tilts as a particularly large bump shakes my crate. Ah, that'll be the fish now. Time to fill our boat with gulper flesh, says the first sailor, grinning. I don't like his grin. An enormous circle, fin, circles our boat making lion-sized waves that bash the side of our ship. I feel Book tugging at me. I know it wants us to escape through a portal, to get away from the bad water right now before anyone sees us, but I hear the yordle cry out. I stick my paw through the slats in the crate and open the crate's latch. I won't leave a yordle alone to die, not after losing my Nora. The sailors watch the fin, the fin thrash around in the water. They don't notice me as I leap from my crate like the quick, quietest tiger and stalk them from behind. The poor yordle is tied to a long fishing pole, which the sailors are dangling over the ocean. The water beneath him is bubbling and frothing. 
How does water always move in the worst ways? I jump over the pile of harpoons and book follows, flying next to me and nervously flapping its pages as it hovers in the air. They see us. Is that a purple raccoon with a flying book? One of the sailors asks. I think it's a baby bear with a journal, says another. No, you idiots. It's just a cat, says a third. Get it. The sailors rush at me, but I dart swiftly between their feet. I unfurl a coil of magic that twists and tangles around their legs. They trip and topple like cups on a table. I perch on the ship's railing next to the fishing pole, unsure what to do next. The waves swirl below us, and my hunting instincts kick in. Something's gonna pounce. Untie me, shouts the yordle as he clings to the fishing rod. I am not a piece of bait. This is quite strange and embarrassing. Luckily for him, I am not afraid of fish, even if I don't like water. I bound onto the fishing pole. In the midst of a cat's leap, sometimes time slows. With my paws splayed out like pancakes and wind rushing through my fur over the terrible water, I am determined to save the yordle with everything I've got. Besides, mid-leap, there's no going back. Don't worry, small blue yordle, I shout. I got you. The yordle's fate and mine intertwine as I land on its shoulder, with book right behind. The fishing pole wobbles under our weight. The biggest fish I've ever seen, a third the size of the boat, bursts from the sea with its mouth gaping open, hundreds of teeth glistening in the moonlight. Its jaws open so wide it could swallow a pair of cows without even chewing them up. Even in the, even in the dark, with my shiny light, I can see its skin is made up of pointed razor-sharp scales of silver and violet. The giant gulperfish swallows us whole. The yordle, book, me, and even a bit of the fishing pole with room to spare. We jostle against the roof of the fish's mouth as it falls back into the water. It's pitch black and smells like old seafood. Before it can gulp us down, though, I balloon open a magical shield that bubbles around us, lodging us in the fish's leathery gullet. I blink on my shiny light again, illuminating some seriously rotten teeth that explain the awful smell. The yordle squeals at the sight. The fish lashes about, and the three of us are thrown in every direction, protected by the impermeable bubble. What a strange way to make new friends. I try to open books so the three of us can escape, but the gulp of fish leaps into the air once more, and we are tossed into a heap inside the bubble. We fall with a thud. The fish must have landed on the sh ship's deck. I hear the sailors shouting as the enormous gulper thrashes back and forth, slapping them with its tail. I hear a splash, and another, and another. The humans must have been knocked into the water. Still stuck in the throat of the gulper fish, I flip book open to a portal that shimmers with the dusky green of Vandal City, the green of home. I grab the small yordle shirt with my teeth and dive into the page. The portal widens and we spin into the spirit realm, dizzy and whirling into a jumble of colors. We emerge coughing on the banks of a shallow creek. My lungs fill with the sweet air of Bandle City, thick and lush as in my dream. Sapphire blue crickets chirp in the twilight as the brook babbles, gently, full of fish, normal-sized fish. Book flaps its page, pages to dry off. The blue-furred yordle stands up, dripping and shaking. What was that? How did we escape? he asks. Wasn't the nearest Bilgewater portal back on the docks? Lucky for us, books, Book carries our portals around wherever we go, I say. Book twirls, showing off its dried-up tree page, pages, each inscribed with a magical gateway outlined in ink and paint. Well, thank you for saving me, both of you, says the Ordle. He looks at Book curiously. 
Is this where you're from, too? Yes, but we don't live here anymore, I say. I look at Book, sadly, thinking of Master. Book flutters. I know it thinks it's time to move on. You know how to get home from here, I ask the Ordal. Yes, yes, just up the hill, past the bowl moles. I know this meadow well. And I do hope you find your Yordle, he says, before wandering off. I stay for a moment, watching as the gloaming turns to daybreak. I catch a glimpse of a moon moth hovering on the horizon, and I long to pounce on it. But I remember that Nora is still lost somewhere, perhaps waiting for us to rescue her this very minute. I pat Book as gently as I can with my paw. I know it misses her too. Then I open it to a new page and dive in. Size doesn't mean everything. So that is Yumi the Magical Cat. Uh, a better lore and story than I anticipated going in for a magical cat, but there is some depth there and some interesting events. Um, but before we kind of go into all that let's just uh get out of the way uh timo's biography and before we even do that there's a quote from his fellow yordle tristana which says timo rides a thin line between chipper compatriot and unrepentant killer but there's no one else i'd rather have as a friend high praise from the bandal yordle the bandal gunner yordle Timo is the swift scout, uh, Captain Timo, that is, as his voice lines have let us know. And Timo is a legend among his Yordle brothers and sisters in Bandle City. As far as Yordles are concerned, there is something just slightly off about him. While Timo enjoys the companionship of other Yordles, he also insists on frequent solo missions in the ongoing defense of Bandle City. Despite his genuine genuinely warm personality something switches off inside timo's mind during combat so that the lives he must end while on patrol do not burden him even as a young recruit the drill instructors and other trainees found it a little disconcerting that while timo was normally charming and kind he turned deadly serious and highly efficient the minute combat exercises began timo's superiors quickly steered him toward the scouts of the mothership which is one of bandle city's most distinguished special forces unit alongside the Megling Commandos. While most Yordles do not handle solo scouting missions with a great deal of finesse, Timo is remarkably efficient at them. His record of success in defending Bandal City from infiltrators easily makes him one of the most dangerous Yordles alive, though you'd never know it by having a cup of honey mead with him at his favorite inn. His signature weapon, a blowgun, uses a rare Ajunta poison he personally gathers from the jungles of Kamungu. To help cope with his lengthy periods of isolation, Timo recently struck up a friendship with Tristana, a fellow member of Bandle City's Special Forces. Timo is a pint-sized foe that many have come to fear and whose small size belies his fearsome resolve. Now, it looks like we have a love triangle here between Timo, Tristana, and Rumble, right? You know, Rumble's got a crush on Tristana. He named his mechanical suit Tristy, and now Tristana would, you know... She's got a glowing quote there about Timo, and Timo says here he's striking up a friendship with her, so who knows what that'll lead to. Um, but Timo is one of the most hated characters in League of Legends, just because he's so small and tiny, but he can just run away from you because he will slow you with his mushrooms that explode and kill you. 
and his laugh is so annoying when they just spam it and he is also just one of the kind of simplest champions in the game which isn't a knock on him as a champion but uh, a lot of people can play it unlike a lot of people can play it and not necessarily be terrible but there is some I mean there's skill to playing Teemo for sure uh, but unfortunately there's not a story about his ruthless efficiency when it when it comes to combat um, that would make for a great story and as one of the like most famous characters in their game I'm really shocked that there isn't more content about Teemo like his mushrooms and like the Teemo hat with the goggles is like are like really popular merch items um, I have some Teemo shrooms actually from when I went to um, did I get them I think I got them in 2019 at the summer LCS finals I could have gotten them in 2016 at the World Championships. I'm not sure, though. Um, just flexing on people right now. Uh, but, yeah, that's that'll do it for Yumi and Timo. And I'll be back next week. Maybe we'll, you know, switch on and off. So we're not doing two every week. So I'll have one for us next week. Um, and... Thank you all for listening, and uh, I hope you learned something, uh, even though you couldn't learn as much as I would have wanted you to about Timo, the Swift Scout, and I will be back next week with another episode, and I already said thank you all for listening, but there it is again. Gotta sting. <laughs>